0: Notre Dame has been on somewhat of a hot streak lately with Commitments, but in today's episode, I'll tell you why four-star athlete Tate Johnson is the most important prospect to pick the Irish since Cam Williams did way back in June of 2022. You are Locked On Irish, your daily podcast on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on and welcome into Locked On Irish. It is Tuesday, June 27th, and thank you for making this your first listening of the day. As always, you can watch the show on YouTube or listen wherever you get your podcast. If you're watching along, please like the video below and subscribe to the channel. And if you're on the go and listening to the podcast, please take a moment to rate and review and subscribe if you have not already. I'm the host, Tyler Wojak. I'm a Notre Dame alum and have been podcasting by the football team since 2020. I've also been covering college football as a producer since 2018, first for ESPN and now at the Fox Sports headquarters in Los Angeles. In today's episode, we've got a big-time commitment to talk about. Tate Johnson, the four-star athlete from Fort Wayne Northside High School, announced his pledge to the Irish on Saturday. It was probably the worst kept secret in all of recruiting lately. It seemed like literally everyone knew that Johnson was going to pick the Irish when it came time to announce, but now it's official, and now we can treat it as such on this podcast. I'll get straight to the point here. This is the most important pickup for the Irish since four-star wide receiver Cam Williams committed to the Irish way back in June of 2022, and there's multiple reasons for this. First... Johnson is an extremely talented player. Once he signs in December, he'll be the highest ranked safety commit since Kyle Hamilton in 2019. And as Tim O'Malley from Irish Illustrated points out, he'll be the fourth highest safety commit of the decade behind Kyle Hamilton, Max Redfield, and uh, Rexfield, excuse me, and Derek Allen. Two, because Johnson plays a position of great need for Notre Dame, okay? He's listed as an athlete. I know that some of the other schools that were recruiting him were looking at him at more as a wide receiver, but the coaching staff at Notre Dame likes him at safety. That's in part because, in part because of his skill set at the position, but it's also because safety recruiting at Notre Dame over the past five to six years has been one level below shitty, okay? See, very bad. Not good. And Notre Dame has some holes to fill at the position. It's something that I've been over... Many times on this podcast, and some of you have listening over the past few weeks and months know exactly what I'm talking about. It has not been good. More on that later. But thirdly, defensive recruiting at Notre Dame in this class uh, has been underwhelming so far. I think that's fair to say in the class of 2024. Logan Thomas was, prior to this, the only commit, ranked at the top 300 on the 24-7 Sports Composite, but now with Johnson, that's two players in that top 300. And, And Johnson is right up there, close to the top 50. He's rated 168th overall. So let's start with that. What is Notre Dame getting in Johnson? Before we get to all the big picture stuff, I want to focus on what Tay Johnson is as a player because uh, he's really, really talented. As I was saying, he's rated as the 168th player overall in the entire country, and he's arguably the best player in the state of Indiana. Right now, he's listed as the third best, but I think by the end of the cycle, he could be number one, and that's very important for Notre Dame to get the best player in Indiana so long as he can uh, fit the requirements academically. He's also one of the most impressive players to come to Notre Dame at the Irish Invasion in 2022, and he's been a top priority for the staff ever since then. So they had him on campus. They evaluated him. They were like, this is a big-time prospect. We need to get him, and they did. He's got great size. He's listed as 6'3", 170 pounds, although I'm not going to lie to you. I'm a little bit skeptical about that 170-pound listing there. He looks very, very skinny, but he doesn't really play like it. So sometimes when you get a player – who's that tall and that skinny, they're a little bit afraid of contact. That is not the case with Johnson. He plays like he weighs, you know, two fifteen back there. He is not afraid to get physical. So that's really encouraging for his development as a safety. Um, I, I think that if he was a little bit afraid of contact, Notre Dame would not be looking at him as a safety, but they'd still probably be looking at him as a wide receiver because he's just that good. He's got freak athleticism for his size. He's long, he's fluid and he plays both sides of the ball extremely well. He could also play college basketball. Honestly, if that's a sport, he decided to fully dedicate himself to, he could probably do it. Micah Shrewsbury is probably wishing that he did do that because he's really talented. He actually averaged 21.1 points per game and 9.6 rebounds per game as a junior last season. As, and we, as we've talked about before on this podcast, mostly in relation to Micah Shrewsbury and what he's trying to build with the Notre Dame men's basketball program, basketball in the state of Indiana, It's pretty damn good at the high school level. So that tells you a lot about how athletic Johnson is and what he could do, not just on the football field, but on the basketball court. But let's get back to what he can do on the football field. He changes direction really well and has solid ball skills. His length allows him to have a really wide catch radius, but as a safety, he's going to be able to get his hands on pretty much any ball he can get near to, uh, with his legs and which he's really able to do. He's got hash to hash speed. He can get all over the field and he can make plays there in the back end of the defense. So that's really encouraging. Okay. Um, his, he has some natural ability that you just can't teach, honestly, like his elusiveness, his ability to mirror receivers. Uh, some guys have it and some guys don't when it comes to football. Some of those natural things that are really hard to teach, the ability as a defensive back to just keep up with guys and sort of mirror their movements, it's really hard to do. And, it's, and as much time as you can spend watching film, doing drills out there. Some things are just innate and he's just got him. Okay. And that's really, really good for Notre Dame because there are certainly some technical things that'll have to work out once he gets to the college level, but at least you can count on him being the type of athlete and being the type of football player that should be able to learn those things quickly and accelerate his develop development. Once he is, you know, practicing full-time in the weight room full-time with the Notre Dame team. And I think that's encouraging because physically he's going to have to develop a little bit. Like I said, he's listed as 170, I don't really believe that, so it's probably going to take some time before we see him on the field making plays on Saturdays, but at least we know that he's got the skill set to do it. In his three seasons at Northside High, he's racked up 134 receptions, nearly 2,000 yards receiving, and 29 touchdowns. I know these aren't defensive stats, but again, this just shows you how dominant he is on the football field. Jeremy Birmingham, a recruiting analyst for Rivals who covers Ohio State, went as far to say that he thinks Johnson will be a first-round pick at safety in a few years. That's really high praise from someone who is not in the Notre Dame orbit, so I don't think he's just blowing smoke here. I think he actually believes that Johnson is a potential first-round pick down the road. Now, my concerns here, one, he's incredibly skinny, like I just mentioned. Um, In fairness to Johnson, he's in high school. He's not even a senior yet. So he's got plenty of time to get in the weight room, do some squats and get bigger out there so that he can actually play the safety position. Because if you're playing safety, even if you're making a lot of plays in the back end, you're going to have to come up and, you know, run stuff and make tackles uh, in the box. Even if you're more of a coverage safety, you're just going to have to do that in order to be effective at the college level. So he's definitely got some time there. He's going to have to develop physically, but I think that in time he will. And again, he plays very physical. So I think that this, this is not going to be a problem. It just might take a little bit more time time. Another concern, and I got to be careful how I phrase this, is that at one point in the recruitment process for Johnson, there were outside factors that might not have made him a viable option for Notre Dame to recruit him. Let me explain. In the middle of January, Tom Loy of 24-7 Sports and several other recruiting reporters out there put in predictions that Tate Johnson was going to land at Notre Dame. That was, again, back in the middle of January. Then something happened. I don't know the specifics, but based on what other outlets have alluded to and some things that I have heard, Johnson had to get some things squared away on his end in order for this recruitment to be possible at Notre Dame. As Pete Sampson from The Athletic pointed out in a recent article, there was a point where Notre Dame wasn't even sure if they could move forward in the recruiting process with Johnson. Now, fortunately, those issues seem to have been resolved, and that's why Johnson ended up being a take for the Notre Dame staff, albeit a few months later than expected. And in fairness to Johnson, I think this happens with a lot more prospects than we hear about, which makes sense. Um, Notre Dame has different academic standards than most all major programs, so it's going to take a little bit more effort on the side of the recruit and the recruit's family to make sure that they have everything squared away before they make a commitment to Notre Dame. And some cases, require more effort than others. When those types of things aren't handled correctly, you end up with a situation like Brandon Hillman's, let's say, when he failed to mate the, meet the explicit standards that were required of him to get into Notre Dame after signing day. And then Notre Dame had to release him from his national letter of intent. And he ended up at Michigan and credit tell me he at least came out and said, Hey, Notre Dame had standards. I didn't meet him. That's why I had to leave the program. So nobody wants that to happen. So good for Johnson for getting everything handled well before then. Now he seems good to go. And once he gets to Notre Dame, if he requires a little bit more attention, uh, than a regular student athlete, that's totally fine. Like some students need more support than others. Hell, I needed a tutor to get to uh, to get through one of my economic classes my sophomore year. It happens, okay. Different students have different struggles once they get to Notre Dame, so this isn't really a concern for Johnson per se. But I think that there's going to be a little bit more uh, more responsibility on the Notre Dame support staff to ensure that Johnson has all the resources he needs to succeed academically at Notre Dame. Sometimes that's easier said than done. Um, I can remember one example: Dexter Williams. Um, He struggled during his first few years at Notre Dame because he didn't really have the support that he was promised when he was committed. A big reason for that is because Tony Alford, the running backs coach at the time, and the guy who recruited Dex, and was really the main reason why Dex uh, ended up going to Notre Dame, he left to become the running backs coach at at Ohio State just days after signing day. Just a few days after Dexter Williams announced his commitment to Notre Dame, Tony Alford ended up leaving to be the running backs coach at the Buckeyes, and he's been there ever since. I think that really hurt. Williams' development once he got to Notre Dame, and that was a big reason why he struggled early. And you know what? That happens, okay? The, the main guy who was there to support him ended up leaving. Now, I think that Marcus Freeman in the Notre Dame staff – They're aware of this, and I think that they're going to do everything they can to make sure that Johnson has everything he needs in order to succeed at Notre Dame academically. I'm just bringing this up because it was a part of the recruitment, and it's something that we have to address in the show. Again, I'm not reporting. I don't know all the specifics, but I just know that at some point in the recruitment, Johnson had to get things squared away on his end, and he did, so credit to him for getting his job done. And now it's on the Notre Dame staff to continue that and to continue continue facilitating him with everything he needs once he steps on campus as a student athlete, because at that point, it's their problem, and they have to make sure he has everything he needs. So look, these are just a couple concerns I have, but there's concerns with literally every prospect, off the field, on the field, even with the 5 stars. So I don't want these to overshadow just how excited I am about Johnson's potential once he gets to Notre Dame. Johnson was one of the few must-gets in this class, not only for his talent, but also because of his proximity to Notre Dame. Fort Wayne Northside is located just 90 miles away from campus, and let's be honest, it is not often that Notre Dame has a player of this caliber in their backyard. When they do, when that is the case, they absolutely have to land him, and that's exactly what they did with Johnson. So, credit to the staff for the evaluation, and then doing whatever was necessary to get this over the line. Johnson is a hometown kid, and I think he's a home run commitment, and I'm really, really excited to see him wear the blue and gold because I think he's going to be a really fun player to root for down the line. Now, the real question is, is Notre Dame done at safety recruiting the class of 2024? That's coming up after this. Baseball season is in full swing, and there's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. That's because right now, new customers get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back at bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just go to fanDuel.com slash locked on to join today. If you haven't been paying attention, my Cleveland Guardians have been riding the ship lately after a rocky start. Winners of five out of the last seven at the time of this recording. I like them a lot in their series against the Kansas City Royals this week. I think they'll get at least two out of three, so put your money on the tribe. Don't miss your chance to snag a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash on to sign up. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Well, thanks again for making Lockdown Irish your first listen of the day. Now let's get to the big picture implications of Tate Johnson's commitment to Notre Dame, and we'll start by focusing at his position, safety. It is one that I've talked about a lot on this podcast, and that is because it has not been a great position at Notre Dame since Kyle Hamilton left. Johnson is the third safe to commit in the class of 2024. Three-star Kennedy Urlacher, son of Brian Urlacher, was the first to commit on May 1st, and three-star Tate Benny Powell committed just a few days ago. Neither Orlacher nor Benny Powell are ranked in the top 600 players nationally, so Johnson is the only blue-chip safety prospect to commit to Notre Dame in this cycle. Obviously, safety is a huge position of need, as I was just saying, and you know what? I've done it before. I'm going to do it again. Let's go through it. In the 2020 class, the would-be seniors in 2023, Notre Dame did not sign a single safety. In 2021, they signed Kari G and Justin Walters. Neither of them are still on the team. In 2022, they went 0 for again and did not sign a single safety. And in 2023, they had four safeties committed at one point but ended up with two after the Peyton Bowen debacle and Brandon Hillman did not qualify for the school academically as I was talking about earlier. What does that lead to? Well, it leads to a situation where the only two true safeties on the roster are true freshmen and Adon Schuler and Ben Minnick. Every other safety on the depth chart is converted from another position. Not great, Bob. And to the people who deflect and trash the recruiting services and say how they rank players. Look at the facts. Two-thirds of the 31 first-round draft picks in 2023 were rated as four- or five-star prospects out of high school. Of course, there are exceptions, but that's exactly what they are. Exceptions, they are not the rule. Look at the schools who are dominating college football. Georgia, Alabama, even Ohio State, those schools are not taking many guys ranked outside of the top 600 because odds are those players won't be difference makers at the college level. Maybe Urlacher and Benny Powell will prove to be the exceptions, but I wouldn't bet on that happening. Would you? I wouldn't take your word for it, okay? I'm sorry if that's the type of bet you're making. So with Johnson on board, Notre Dame has at least one blue chip prospect at one of their biggest positions of need in this cycle, okay? That's a win. That's a very, very important win. They're not putting all of their eggs in one basket because they signed three guys. They needed the numbers at the position because of all the turnover back there. They could always add a guy in the transfer portal after this year. They could add another grad transfer in Antonio Carter. The good thing for Notre Dame is that Brown um, is the only safety right now who will exhaust his eligibility after next season, so they've got some time. I basically would consider Antonio Carter like a two-year player in this class because even though I think he'll have a really strong impact on the team this season, it's really good that they'll have him around next season as well, so they'll have time for guys like Shuler, guys like Minick. Uh, to grow a little bit, uh, to grow up a little bit, and then th- then they'll have these three guys coming in because I think all three, it's probably going to take some time before we see them on the field because I think Erlacher and Benny Powell, they're sort of de- developmental picks, and then even though I love what Tate Johnson is going to be one day, physically it's going to take some time. So they need a guy like Carter. They need a guy like Xavier Watts to step up and Ramon Henderson to step up as well. So right now I feel pretty solid about what types of numbers are going to be getting in there. We'll just have to see if these guys are hits or not. But could and add more? Three-star Malcolm Ziegler will announce his decision a few weeks from now on July 17th, I believe. And this one's kind of interesting because, like, I've heard some people say that Notre Dame is still at the top of his list, and I've read other reports that the staff has kind of cooled on him now that Johnson is officially on board. So we're just going to have to wait and see with that one. There's also Davis Andrews, this three-star out of Utah, who's essentially a prospect in the class of 2026 because of his two-year Mormon mission trip that he'll take after he graduates from high school. Look, Andrews is a solid player, but, like, can we really count on a guy who won't get here until 2026? Like, that's that's an eternity from now, okay? Just think about how different Notre Dame football was three years ago, and now think about how different it could be three years in the future. Hell, we have no idea what college football is going to look like in the future, so I'm not really going to get all that excited about a prospect who, won't, who we won't see for another three years, and I think that's understandable. Although, I will say, if Notre Dame takes him, it's a good thing. You know, it's not a bad thing that they got a guy like this, so we'll just have to wait and see there, but Notre Dame – is probably going to finish with uh, three safeties in this class, in my opinion. Urlacher, Benny Powell, and now Johnson. I I could be wrong. We still have nearly six months to go until early signing day, and a lot can happen in that amount of time. But I feel that the safe bet right now is that Notre Dame is going to take these three safeties, um, assuming they all stay committed, which I think they will. They all seem very locked in with Notre Dame at this point in time. I don't think we're going to be dealing with any more Peyton Bowen situations at safety in this cycle. Um, And if that's the case, and these are the three safeties who do sign with the Irish, then I would consider it a good haul, but not a great haul. I feel really good about Johnson. And then you just have to hope that either Urlacher or Benny Powell hits because... It's unlikely that all three are going to hit. And that's not even really factoring in recruiting rankings that much. Obviously, if you have more four or five star prospects at a position, it's more likely that those guys are going to hit than the the ones that Notre Dame signed in this or the ones that Notre Dame has committed in this class right now. But That's really just the nature of modern college football recruiting because you could sign a four-star prospect and then that guy could end up leaving for whatever reason. I mean, Notre Dame just lost Logan Diggs, a running back, who was a starter, was a really productive player. So you really could lose guys at any point in time. I don't think that's going to happen with these three. So you just got to hope that, you know, one, hopefully two end up hitting because odds are one of them is either not going to hit or going to end up transferring. So we'll just have to wait and see. But I really do like these three in pairing them with the class of 2023 guys into Don Schuler and Ben Minick. Shuler was the higher-rated prospect uh, of the two in that class, but it's very close. 24-7 had Minnick as the 32nd-ranked safety in the class, while Schuler was the 28th, so they're right there. I think the fan sentiment towards Ben Minnick uh, when he committed was like, oh, he's just a fallback because we might lose Peyton Bowen. So I think fans were more upset that they likely were going to lose the five-star Bowen, and then Minick was like, oh, okay, wow, we're just getting this fallback, a guy who wasn't recruited that highly. But I think... Later on in the cycle, people were like, oh, wait, this this guy might be a dude. And I've heard some really, really good things about minick so far. Uh, he's one of the more talked about players who is at, who've been at Notre Dame for the summer workout so far. I think he's a lot faster than people might give him credit for. I don't know. If he's going to be contributing at safety this season, I think that's way too early to tell. But he was on campus. He wasn't early in early. He didn't get to participate in the spring game because I think he hurt his thumb. So anyway, he missed that. But the early reports on him have been good. I'm hopeful that Adon Schuler will be another good player. So then if you get a couple hits in this class, pair that with the two guys in the previous class. And then you're looking at a much different situation in safety. So for as bad as it's been at safety in recent years, this year's class is a sign that Chris O'Leary and the defensive staff have things trending in the right direction, and that's a great sign for the future of the Notre Dame defense. Speaking of that defense, will Johnson's commitment be the first of several high-profile defensive commitments down the stretch for the Irish? That's coming up next. Okay, so at the time of this recording, Notre Dame has the fifth-ranked class in the 2024 team rankings, according to the 24-7 Sports Composite. The Irish have 14 four-stars and seven three-stars currently committed, which comes out to 21 total commits. The Irish currently don't have any five-stars committed anymore after wide receiver Callum Williams. He dropped from a five-star to a four-star in the composite rankings, but he's still ranked 34th overall, so he's right on the line between a four and five-star. I'm not going to get too caught up in that. But overall, I think this is a really good class for Notre Dame. They're not in the top five by accident. So, you know, considering they have 21 commits, they're getting close to full in the class. So I don't think they have a ton of upward mobility because there's a lot of uh, teams out there who are right there in the mix. We only have like 14 guys committed. committed, So once they get more, they're likely going to jump Notre Dame. Um, But it's a pretty unbalanced class right now when you look at the rankings. Offense is definitely leading the way right now. Of the top 10 commitments in Notre Dame's class by ranking, only Logan Thomas and now Tay Johnson will play defense. The other eight are all on offense. On one hand, this is sort of a nice change of pace for Notre Dame recruiting because they've been recruiting better on defense than offense in recent years, but you don't want one side of the ball lagging too far behind, and that's kind of the case here. Now, fortunately, Al Golden and the Notre Dame defensive staff will have opportunities to close things out with a bang. They've got a great chance to get four-star linebacker Kingston Viliamu Asa out of California. KVA is finished with his official visits. He just wrapped up one with Ohio State this past weekend, and he will likely make a decision at some point in July. The Notre Dame coaching staff feels great about their chances with him, but... USC is right there in the mix, and getting any player to leave California to come to Notre Dame over USC is going to be a challenge. This is not a new challenge. This has been going on for a long time. Sometimes Notre Dame is able to win out in these recruitments. Junior Tui Alamaka is a great example of this. Marcus Freeman was instrumental in that recruitment, and you can hope that even now as a head coach, he's able to get KVA back or get KVA to Indiana and South Bend, because he is a absolute stud linebacker. And that would be a huge win for Notre Dame. He is a guy who cares a lot about academics. I think he wants to be a finance major once he gets to Notre Dame. That's certainly great considering what Notre Dame does every year with Mendoza, the College of Business. It's consistently rated as one of the top business schools in the entire country. So whenever you get a player of this caliber on the football field who values all the things that Notre Dame does off the field, that's a really good thing for the school. And it's it's, becomes even more important that they get that commitment from him because he's just really that good of a player and you really don't want to miss on him there's also four-star linebacker Bradley Shaw who had a great official visit on campus this past month but it's going to be kind of hard to prime away from Auburn it's like basically in his backyard and coming out of that visit I think a lot of people felt really good about Notre Dame's chances but this is just what happens in June right these if these recruits take their official visits to Notre Dame and then coming out of that we're hearing all these great things like wait are they about to commit well not exactly, not always, okay? And then more time goes by and that glow sort of goes away and then they have to really think about all their visits and then you know the deal. I think that, like Elijah rushing is it's sort of like the inverse of that, right? Where he came to Notre Dame and normally coming out of the visit you're like, "Oh, Notre Dame's going to have a great chance." That was actually not the case with rushing. He came out of that and then all of a sudden Notre Dame was like out of the recruitment. I really want to know what the hell happened on that official visit because there were some credible reporters out there that said Notre Dame was in the lead going into that weekend, and then coming out of the visit, they are basically out of that running. So that happened fast. I'm not, really ha- I'm not really sure what happened there, but back to this class. As I said in segment two, we'll see what happens with Malcolm Ziggler. Personally, I hope the Irish take him because I think they need all the safety help they can get. Three is good, four is better, and if you're worried about scholarship numbers, don't because odds are people are going to transfer people you don't expect. And Notre Dame is uh, a few scholarships under that 85-man limit right now. So, hey, if they want to come to Notre Dame and they're pretty good and they're out of position in need, I say take them. But we'll see if the Notre Dame staff has that same attitude as it, as it pertains to Malcolm Ziegler. Then there's the five-star defensive tackle you might have heard about, Justin Scott. Personally... I'm kind of throwing my hands up when it comes to this recruitment. Like, just talk to me on signing day, basically. I'm not going to get a, caught up in all the twists and turns with that recruitment until he announces his commitment. Um, a, a couple weeks ago, it seemed like Miami was the clear leader, even though that Justin Scott was saying that there were three teams who were the leader, That which made no sense to me then. It makes no sense to me now. But then lately, there's some rumors out there that Miami is cooling because the proximity to home. He's from Chicago. He goes to St. Ignatius High School. So, This is a guy that Notre Dame really needs to get because, like I was saying earlier, it's not that often where Notre Dame has a player like that's a high four-star, high five-star sort of recruit, and uh, that's close to Notre Dame because, you know, Indiana's not really a hotbed, and shockingly, there's not as many really talented high school football players coming out of the Chicago area that you'd expect, but Notre Dame's got a good chance at Scott. I I'm not going to put a percentage on it or anything. Like I said, a few weeks ago, I would have said probably no chance that he goes to Notre Dame, but now maybe they're a little bit more back in the mix. He still has not officially announced an official visit to Notre Dame, so I think that's a giant red flag until he actually does that. I know that there's been some rumors out there that he's going to take an official visit to Notre Dame uh, for the Ohio State game in September. Hey, if that happens, great. That does seem kind of far away from now and he sort of alluded to the fact that he wants to make his decision sooner than later, but I just don't really know. Like I said, this is a very weird recruitment all the different stuff that's already out there. So many conflicting reports, so many different things. I think he just likes the recruitment process. He likes the attention. He's probably going to drag this out pretty long. And you know what? I understand it. That's what a lot of five stars do. When Notre Dame is in the running for five stars, you've got to kind of deal with this stuff because that's sort of the nature of the business. So maybe they'll get Scott. Maybe they won't. But that would be a huge pickup for Al Golden and the defensive staff for obvious reasons. I already went over Elijah Rushing. I don't think they're really in that anymore. So we'll just pretty much discount him. So looking at a big picture... If Golden somehow gets a commitment from Scott and KVA with the addition of Johnson now at the back end, we're going to have a much different conversation about this defensive recruiting class because, you know, assuming all the other commitments stay, Notre Dame would be getting two blue chip prospects on the defensive line in Scott and Logan Thomas, and then an absolute stud linebacker in Kingston Villiamuasa, and now they have Tate Johnson, another blue chip in the defensive backfield. I I'll admit. I think it's pretty unlikely at this point in time that they get Scott um, and they get KVA, but it's not impossible. As a matter of fact, I would say it's probably more possible this week than it was a week ago. So I do like Notre Dame's chances a lot more with Kingston than I do with Scott. But again, a lot can change between now and signing day. It's recruiting. We know how wild this can get. At this point, the Irish only have a few spots left to fill in this class, and how the staff is able to close on defense with these blue chips is going to make or break this class in terms of Will it finish in the top 10 or will it fall outside of the top 10 like it did last year, even though it was ranked, I think, number one in the country at this point in time. Now it's at the, uh, it's ranked fifth. So we're just going to have to wait and see. But that is going to do it for me today. Thanks again for making this your first listen of the day. As a reminder, please subscribe to the show on YouTube or wherever you're listening to the podcast. You can also follow the show on social media to stay up to date on the latest news surrounding Notre Dame and everything we've got going over going on over here on the podcast. The Twitter account is at Lockdown Irish. The Instagram is at Lockdown Irish Bot, And my personal Twitter account is at Tyler, W-O-J-C-I-A-K. I'll see you guys tomorrow.